Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Backstage With, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes with your favourite actors and creatives in the world of musical theatre. Hello, I'm Mikey Worrell. Today we're going backstage with Lucy Jones, who's currently playing Jenna in the West End production of Waitress. Lucy made her West End debut in Les Miserables in 2010 before playing a number of roles on tour, including Elle Woods in Legally Blonde, Maureen in Rent and Molly in Ghost, but Waitress is her first West End leading role. It was strongly rumoured that Lucy was coming into the show to replace Catherine McPhee after her face appeared on a billboard advertising the show in Times Square in New York, but it was actually months before there was any confirmation. The show itself has been talked about quite a lot since it opened in April, particularly on social media, where there was criticism over the casting of Ashley Roberts, who temporarily replaced Laura Baldwin as Dawn over the summer. With all that going on, it can be very hard to focus on the day job, but that's exactly what Lucy's trained herself to do. We had a chat in her dressing room at the Adelphi Theatre last week. Here's our conversation. Lucy Jones, welcome to the Backstage Hi. With podcast. Thank you. Welcome to Backstage With Me in my room. Rooms? <laughs> I know. It's, uh, this is huge. It's pretty special in here. I've never had anything like it before. I think it's the biggest one I've ever been in. <laughs> That's what she said. Oh. No, it is a, it's, a, it's a beautiful room. I'm very, very lucky. And I have aircon. So I have lots of visitors throughout the show because Everybody of that. wants to be your friend. Yeah, yeah. We're here because you are playing Jenna in Waitress. This is the part that every actress in London seems to want. Yeah. Is playing Jenna in the West End everything you hoped it would be? Yeah, and more, actually. I listened to the soundtrack a couple of years ago when I was on the wedding singer on tour. Cassie Compton came in one day and said to me, you need to listen to this because this is you. So I went home and I, I downloaded it and became obsessed with it very quickly. And then when I found out it was coming to London, I was like, right, okay, I'm gunning for that. So I kind of did everything I could to get myself prepped for the audition. And by the time I eventually started the role, it had been almost a year since since I'd found out that it was coming to London. So I was I was ready. I was ready for it. And it's just wonderful. The role itself is beautiful to play. It's a gift. I get to go out on stage every night and move people and make people laugh and have people on their feet screaming and crying and laughing. And it's just wonderful. And I've been very lucky that the last couple of roles that I've played have been very strong women. And Jenna is in no doubt any different to any of those, which is brilliant. And yeah, I mean, with the fact that people want to play the role, I'm, I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. I would, I would want to be playing it if I wasn't playing it. It's a beautiful, beautiful role. And she used to be mine is like the most sung song anywhere in musical yeah. theatre at the moment, isn't it? It feels like everyone does it. Yeah, I get approximately 50 tweets or Instagrams a day of different people singing it on their accounts or look at my friend or look what I did or this is me last year doing She Used To Be Mine or whatever. And it's it's ridiculous. I've never had a response to anything I've done that's been that consistent. And most people that come to the show who wait at stage door say, oh, she used to be mine. Oh, she used to be mine. I saw you at West End Live doing She Used To Be Mine. I saw a video of you. I heard it on the radio. Do you know what? So the song sells the show in itself, I think. 
completely. The role itself is not an easy sitting, but the thing I love about the way you do it is there is so much intention with the melody and with every little run and little riff that you do that I can just hear how technical and how intricate it is. How did you, like, especially in what Bacon can do and She's Be Mine, etc., how did you map it out when you first got the material and you're going, okay, what can I do here or how do I do this bit? Oh, well, first of all, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, f- to be honest, with me, it's more of... I, I, I'm very aware of singers over-riffing when I watch or listen to a show or a concert piece. I mean, it's slightly different in a concert because you can kind of do what you want, but here we're telling a story. And I'm I'm very aware also that I have done that. I've listened to myself back on things and thought, why did you put that? That did nothing. That did nothing for the song, nothing for your voice, nothing for the story. The audience didn't need it. You were just feeling brave. Do you know what I mean? Um, which sometimes there's nothing wrong with that. But with this, it's so incredibly beautifully written and crafted that there's almost no point in messing around with it too much. So the bits that I, I have changed or embellished upon have all been okayed by Sarah Bareilles because it's her baby and I wouldn't put anything into the show that she didn't want there for a start but also for me it's yeah I've heard the song oversung and we all have we've all heard versions of it where we thought you didn't need to do that and it's the beauty of it is its simplicity so yeah the bits that I put in like the war cries in the middle I call them when she's just wailing at her loss and her frustration and those bits, yeah, I feel like you can embellish what baking can do when she's, you know, having slamming the rolling. Yeah, exactly. Down. Those moments you can, but in the middle of it, only takes a taste. You don't need it no. because it's all there on the page. So um, I kind of approached it from that from that respect. But I am also I'm quite musical. I always have been, so that kind of comes quite naturally to me. Do you have a favourite song or even a favourite line to sing? Is there a part of the show that really gets you? It kind of changes every day, depending on my mood. Because the show is so moving, different things will, uh, you know, attack me on different days. So, for example, yesterday, when I was singing the second verse of She Used To Be Mine, usually for me that is about, I'm saying the words and I know that I'm saying the words and I've, I've said them a million times, but... I'm getting up off the sofa and I have to hit a spot for a light and I'm also pregnant so I have to show that I'm getting up and it's difficult and yesterday I stayed on the sofa a bit longer and I really thought about what I was saying and it sounds ridiculous because I've thought about it a million times but something just sat differently with me in the second verse if she used to be mine I like sobbed I don't know what it was just something in me just went oh my gosh this is just heartbreaking and for that to happen to me and I've done like I don't know a hundred shows or whatever that's that's quite amazing isn't it but I love that it's still yeah a different bit can just grab you all the time all the time and also because we the all of the actors in this building I think are quite amazing and when we have different covers on and everything people bring different things to the story and to the stage and to the relationships so I play a different Jenna kind of depending on the day of the week the energy levels that David Dr Prometer and I have that day whether I've got a different doctor whether I've got a different Becky or Dawn or Cal anything just little things can change and will change something the way that I react to something and I'll think oh that's Jenna today do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so as much as she's very consistent in her way my reactions can be slightly different so you're living here as a real person who would be different every day yeah and because she's written in such a real way it's easy to do that and I just love it I I would do it forever honestly I would do this job forever 
great (laughs) (laughs) the chemistry between you and david is so obvious and so strong did you know each other before you did this job because it looks like you know each other for years (laughs) david actually tells the story much better than i do when we were auditioning for this show uh, I went into the umbrella rooms one day where they were holding auditions and David was sat there and I kind of went up to him and I was like, hey man, I haven't seen you for ages. How's it going? And he went, oh, I don't think we've actually ever met. And I was like, oh, it's so awkward. And then he was like, but we've been Facebook friends for like 10 years. Okay. So, and I was like, why? And then it was because like he did the Jesus thing and I did X Factor around the same time and we were like reality TV kind of bubble. ITV lovies. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. We'd been kind of, yeah, social media friends for a long time. And then because my process of getting the job was quite drawn out because they decided to bring Kat over to open the show, which I thought was a brilliant idea. She was great, but I wasn't sure what my position was until quite a while after him. We were constantly texting back and forth, kind of like, have you heard anything? No, have you? Whoa, I don't know what's going on. And so we kind of bonded over that. During the time that between we auditioned and he started rehearsals in January, we booked another job, rehearsed that job, and performed it together. So when, and I still didn't know what was going on, so it was all a bit up in the air, but we just had this kind of like bond then. It was great. And also in the final audition, we read together. There was two Jenners, two Doxpometers, two Dawns, two Beckys, all that kind of stuff. And we did a little mix and match. And as soon as David came in and we started speaking, I was like, you are Doxpometer. You you have that perfect air about you. Um, And he just, he makes me better. And, and I think that because we're friends and we laugh at everything and we know a lot about each other and we know each other's families now and it's, it just makes it good on stage. I think we can kind of, we know each other well enough to, even if I haven't seen him before the start of the show, he, he'll come through the door and say, hello, Mrs. Bunterson. And I'll look at him and we'll just know instantly what plane we're on that day, how much energy we've got, what kind of day we've had. Do you know what I mean? We can just like, with a little look, be like, okay, this is what we're doing today. Do you know what I mean? It's instinctive. Yeah, absolutely. We just, we know each other quite well that way. And because David's, he's married and he's got two children, he's very kind of giving and understanding um, because of, you know, his family. And I think that, makes him a really wonderful man to play opposite and he's he's gentle as well which I think you really need when you're leading a show like this especially in that part yeah definitely definitely also I laugh at him every day he's an absolute goof Uh, sometimes when we shouldn't laugh we are laughing someone did a sneeze the other day that sounded like a fart at a really inappropriate (laughs) moment and we just lost it for the whole of bad idea We, we could look at each other which, is, which is a shame because it's choreographed where you're basically eye contact the whole way through. I was looking at his nose and he was looking at my hairline <laughs> the whole time. Like no one would have known because as soon as the curtain hit the, flat, the floor, then we just went to pieces. But it was just so funny and so silly. And there's so many people that I could have heard that with and not even noticed it. But with David, <laughs> it's just a different thing. But yeah, yeah. No, it's good that we have that relationship. I, think. I love that. How much later in the end then than him did you find out you got the job? Um, It's kind of complicated. There's been many strands to this process for me. And I went over to New York and did a photo shoot with Joey Mack, who played Dr. P on Broadway, um, and Brendan Calm, who is in the show and has been since the beginning. And then I was on a a billboard in Times Square and people were like, whoa, congratulations. And I was like, on what? So before that (laughs) happened, before you actually knew you were coming in? Before I had my start date. Yeah. So it was all a bit kind of up in the air and it's been ongoing. But 
I always knew that at some point they wanted me to play Jenna. So that was great. But at the same time, I was chomping at the bit, like, when, when do you want me to come in? And what are we going to do? When am I starting rehearsals? And uh, eventually, um, there was a couple of conflicting job offers that came in. Um, so we kind of had to make a decision altogether. And I feel like at this moment in time, I'm where I'm meant to be. And I love this job so much. And the other things that were around, I, I really broke my heart to let go. But it's unfortunately, it's, it is a, it's called the business for a reason. It's a business and I am my own business and I had to make a decision kind of for that reason, you know. So here I am absolutely loving it every single day, feeling like I made the right one. And hopefully those other things will come back round. You, you'd hope. I, I don't know. I don't know. You never know with these the, things. The but. thing Marisha Wallace told me, who obviously you know quite well, she was like, I believe that what is for you won't pass you by. Yeah. She said that's uh, she also says, look at God a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. <laughs> oh, bless her. I was going to actually ask you about the whole New York thing mm-hmm. with the, the marketing and the billboard and everything. Yeah. So you didn't even know about that and before it happened? Um, I had done the photo shoot and I was I was kind of under the impression that the photos would be used for when I took over the role in London. I didn't know necessarily that my picture was going to go up in Times Square. Can't say I was angry about it. I thought it was pretty damn cool, actually. Um, shame that the job in New York didn't come with it. And obviously now that's not going to happen because the show unfortunately is closing in New York, which is a real shame because it's beautiful there and that theatre is perfect for it. But I do love it here anyway, so I'm good. (laughs) Did you have a lot of people messaging you going, what's going on? Why are you on a bus in New York? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, My manager in the States uh, happened to be around Times Square and kind of sent me a video like, hey, here you are. Here's Mean Girls, here's the steps. And I was like, oh my God. She's like, congratulations. I was like, on what this is like this is a weird thing I keep getting people saying congratulations or what's going on and I was kind of like at the time I was embargoed so I couldn't talk about the fact that I was going to come into the show in London so I was just ignoring a lot of my friends oh, no. <laughs> which is a, a real shame but now everybody kind of understands because I've explained to everyone but it's, it's like with anything they, if you get a job you, you're not supposed to talk about it for a while because there's a, a rhyme and a reason for when things are press released uh, which we shouldn't mess with so I just kind of sat quiet can't bite the hand that feeds yeah, you absolutely yeah of course yeah no I wouldn't have dreamed of it either no no I know but, um, but yeah no it was uh, it was an interesting uh, interesting time for great start us. to the year yeah lovely start to the year and I was actually I was in Florida when the billboard went up I'd been posting pictures and then there was this whole thing of the tour's going to be in, in Boca Raton in next next month. Maybe she's joining the tour. Oh, and I was the conspiracy like, oh my gosh, started. wow. The things I heard about myself early in this year, you would not believe. I wish half of them were true. <laughs> <laughs> Never the case, is it? No, no, it's not. Jenna creates a lot of metaphorical pies all the way through the show. If you were to make a pie right now, what would be in it to describe your day or how you're feeling? To describe my day, I would say... Ooh. I realize it's quite a tricky question. It is, yeah. Come back to me. Okay, we'll think do it about at the it. end. We'll do yeah. it at the end. Yeah. Kathy on Twitter sent in a question. Hi, Kathy. She said, "Do any? Do you or any of the cast have any unusual rituals before you go on stage?" Uh, I can't speak for the rest of the cast, um, but for me, when I'm up here getting ready, I, I like to have some music on. I do my warm up before group warm up, so that when I go down, we can say hello to everyone and kind of get focused as a group. I use. I've got a couple of injuries, so I put a lot of biofreeze on my body. <laughs> and I have a banana before every show. That's probably 
uh, a ritual, I would say. If I don't have it and I get three scenes in, I think, oh, I haven't had my banana. And I'll have, a, I'll have a minute of, oh, I don't know, really. It might be a placebo effect. I'm not sure. But I'm, I'm an eater. I like to make sure I've got enough energy in me to do the show well. Otherwise, you know, I'd, I'd struggle. Uh, then we do also go downstairs as a group and we do a little prayer circle just before the show starts, which is lovely. Can we talk about Les Mis a little bit? Mm-hmm. That job, I didn't realise, I saw you in it, but oh. I didn't realise how quickly that came after X Factor. Yeah. But how, how did that come about? Well, when you come out of X Factor, I'm not sure what the case is now, but at the time I was given basically to a management company called Modest Management. And my manager, Sarah, and I sat down the day that I left the show and she kind of said, what do you want to do? Uh, you have all these kind of gigs that come out of the show, like nightclub gigs and prides and race course things. And um, it's not the case again now because that was before the recession. So th- there's not quite as much work now, which is a shame for the guys who do the show. But I said, I want to do theatre. She said, OK, right, well, let's meet some agents. And so the first agent I met was at CAM, Peter Brooks. And I loved him. We got on really well. So we decided to sign. And um, his assistant then at the time, Gavin Denton-Jones, um, became my agent shortly afterwards. And then he left CAM a few years ago and I went with him. And now he runs an incredibly successful, very high-end boutique agency, which I just adore being at. And he's also one of my great friends, which is wonderful. I'm lucky that I trust my agent. And lots of performers couldn't say the same, I don't think, really, honestly. But yeah, so I went in for Lamey's... February time the following year from X Factor so I finished the tour I was still auditioning for it when I was on the tour X Factor finished in December and then I started in April and I think people were a little bit shocked because on the show I'd kind of I've done a variation of you know genres and songs and bits and bobs but I played Cosette at Les Mis so that's a, that's a full soprano role and I think people were like oh why have you done that? That's like, that's not the lead or that's not like what we think you should be doing kind of thing. And I, mean, I was you could like, have done Jean Valjean, but... Well, I, I'm still hoping too, you know, <laughs> a first female Jean Valjean, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think Simon Bowman was still under contract at the time, yeah. which is probably why it didn't happen. Yeah, probably, yeah. Um, Simon was pretty epic. And Johnny as well was incredible. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting, I digress. Uh, yeah, so I went in and... I was auditioning for Eponine and then when I was in the room they kind of said to me would you like to audition for Cosette and I was like yeah sure fine I just want I want a start here Mm -hmm. and so then when I met Cameron I kind of said that to him as well and he was like I'll put you in the show I'd love to give you your opportunity kind of thing and uh, and he's kind of supported me ever since he's a wonderful man sorry someone's just walking up the stairs all the time I don't even know who that was I mean, it could have been Marisha, but equally, could have been a cleaner. (laughs) They do say, they come in and they sing. Honestly, everyone here sings all the time. But yeah, no, he's he's brilliant. And he gave me that opportunity and it gave me the start into the world that I wanted to be working in, um, which my management team massively supported me in. And we don't work together anymore. We haven't for a long time, but Sarah and her husband came to see the show last month and and we're, you know, friends. And it's, it's been a really wonderful thing for me because I auditioned at, you know, Italia Conti, Guildford, uh, Mountview, Lane, Lipper, everywhere. And I didn't get in anywhere. I was offered a conditional place on the one-year course at Italia Conti, um, which I'm actually quite glad that I didn't do now because if I had, then I wouldn't have done X Factor and I wouldn't have had this, you know, path that I've had. So who knows where I'd be? And who's laughing now? Well, I, I mean, I've taught I at quite a few of these, these schools and I always get asked, why didn't you train? And I'll say, oh, I didn't get in. 
and more often than not there'll be someone in the room that will have been at one of my auditions and they'll all get like oh from the students but then the teacher will always give a quite a valid point of why I didn't get in or you know there's 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 quota to fill as well maybe I was like someone they'd already admitted or um, maybe I would have got in the following year I don't know so I'm fine though I've I've trained privately and I'm very happy with the training that I've had pretty well thank you (laughs) (laughs) since then you've played uh, a lot of great roles but a lot of touring Mm -hmm. this is the first time you've been back in the West End yeah has that wait been frustrating at times or was it always just part of the plan we'll get back there when the time is right frustrating no tiring educational yes there were days you know where I'd we'd do two on a Friday two on a Saturday and then I'd have to drive four hours back to London to you know spend a few hours with my family on the Sunday to get back out on the Monday and I'd just hit walls occasionally of not while driving no no definitely not (laughs) never hit a wall whilst driving thankfully (laughs) Uh, just occasionally you get to a point of oh this is so hot touring is tough I do not ever scoff at people for touring like because some people think oh it's less hard work or whatever it's so much harder than being in the West End getting here getting into London is nigh on impossible as a performer because there's so many of us and there's so few roles but touring is so hard you're sleeping in a different bed every week in a building that you don't know surrounded by you you don't know what so you book your accommodation and you could be next to a nightclub you could be next to building works they could be a really loud partying family that live above you you just don't know you have to just go with it you also are you know, you, you don't have your kitchen. You can't cook the food that you would like to eat all the time. You don't have your gym. You have to go and find somewhere new every week. And you don't know the theatres. So you don't have like your checkpoints. Like here, if I'm having a really, if I'm really tired and I'm trying to get through the show, you know, scene by scene, which I, occasionally if you're very tired, you kind of, you know, you, you put your checkpoints out. Here, I have the same people every week. And we have things that we can do like upstairs, oh, I'd say to my dresser, can you just go and grab me uh, a LucasAid Sport from the fridge or whatever? Like things that I have just in case I'm flagging and we'll have it. Whereas on tour, you you don't have all those things because you live out of a tiny little box or sometimes not even that, that if the company don't travel for you, you know? Uh, so it's, um, it's harder. It's hard on your voice. The traveling is hard. You have to get up. You have to get trains on a Sunday if you don't drive. And, and I could talk about how much I admire people for touring forever um it's tough and uh I never kind of thought I don't want to be doing this but towards the end of my last tour which was Legally Blonde the national tour I did say to my agent I don't want to take another tour after this I I would like to just give myself the opportunity and remain available for other stuff whether it's tv or whether it's you know please west end work I also you know I um I got married and I have two dogs and I have my home and uh, I have a niece in Cardiff and my parents and my brother and lots of friends here and I just missed my life you know and you don't have that when you're away because you have to focus on getting yourself somewhere every week and doing your job and keeping yourself healthy I never thought I don't want to be doing this but I did get to a point where I said I don't want to do another one of these for a while. And there was one that I said no to, which I was sad about. I was really sad about. And a boy that was on my tour, who was a very good friend of mine, 
is on that tour still is now and has is having a wonderful time and we would have had a great time together but at the same time if I had said yes to that I wouldn't have been available to audition for this and I had to kind of you know make the call sorry I'm talking about this for no, ages it's fine um but yeah I, touring is tough and uh I massively respect people that do that for their whole career but I got to kind of, I was playing these big roles on tours. So I wasn't able to go out after the show and have a drink and explore the city every morning that I was in. And you know, uh, you have to live within your role like when you're nun. doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with Elle, because my speaking voice is here. It's at this level. Whereas Elle was just like, oh my God, everything is amazing. And it's belt and it's nonstop and it's dancing and it's, you have to be physically, vocally, mentally sound every day or you just can't do it you just can't uh which is why jenna because jenna kind of speaks down here so i'm okay you know i don't have to push really hard to get something new out of my face do you know what i mean it's so weird i know it's weird (laughs) sorry no no, it's it's fine um but then yeah so l would have been slightly easier not on the road definitely yeah um but yeah i just kind of i'm really really grateful for all those jobs that i've done because they've all been incredible in their own way and um yeah i think you know what's for you won't pass you by as marisha says and this was for me this time and i'm very very grateful for it i'm already happy for you thank you it's really <laughs> weird to see you do it and then just have the accent just come at me like that i wasn't ready um, sorry it's okay i should have warned you no no, no. i just have one last question if yeah, we're yeah okay of course time. yeah Theatre fans can be quite outspoken on social media. Sometimes the noise can be deafening. Yeah. If you're at the centre of a show that's being talked about, how on earth do you shut it out? Um, You have to become an expert at compartmentalising, I think. With this show that I'm currently in, there's been a lot of, you know, Twitter storms and social media outrage at casting and things. But also you have to think... The people that cast the show and the people that run the company, they do everything for a reason. So the decision to cast Ashley Roberts as Dawn, people weren't happy about that. And they kicked off and some people were kind of saying, I'm going to boycott the show, this is ridiculous. And But at the same time, the show wasn't selling incredibly well. And so... They, they, they must have needed to do that otherwise they wouldn't have done that and then Ashley came in and she was great she was hilarious she was so hard working she was a great company member and I've gained friend for life in her so you know that nobody was in uproar when they brought Kat over in the beginning there was like a small pocket of people but there will always be some people that don't agree with something you know so I, I didn't I I kind of stay away from it I I go on to social media and I read things but I will then be able to talk about them with someone that I trust or you know a friend or a family member or my husband and we can kind of thrash it out and say what we think about those those think comments and maybe who those people might be and then we put it to bed and I have had one instance in my life where I put something on social media as a response to someone attacking. So it was a, I was watching Love Island a couple of years ago and uh, one of the guys on Love Island got really sunburnt. Do you remember this guy, the Welsh guy, I Alex? I watched it. Okay, so Sorry. someone else in the room is nodding. Yeah, so Alex <laughs> on Love Island, he got very sunburnt and so one of the girls from Geordie Shore put this really nasty comment about his personality and his skin and like, and it was like full of profanities and I just like saw red. And I just thought this poor guy is 
for whatever he's also he's a doctor he's in there and he's come out and he's gone back to work for the nhs and he's using the platform for good and he was really sweet and he wasn't having much luck in there and she just attacked him and i just i just felt really awful for him and he was still in there so he couldn't have said anything back you know was, and then the people that are running their social medias aren't going to say anything so i just thought why not i'm just going to say this one thing so i went back at her and she came straight back at me and i was like <gasps> And she kind of said to me, you've made me feel really bad about myself. And I was like, well, isn't that what you were doing in the first place? You attacked him. And I, as a third party, shouldn't have got involved and never, ever do. And I just saw this one thing and I thought, no, you know what? Screw you. You can't, you can't do that. It's, yeah, freedom of speech and all that, but I'll have it too. Here we go. Sent one thing back. And then she sent me this long... And then she went on Instagram and did like a whole video of, oh, I'm being bullied online. Oh and I was God. like, okay, you can't do this. You, you, as a person, you either need to understand that when you put these things out, you're going to get responses back or you're an angel and there's nothing wrong with you and you have the absolute authority to say anything on anyone. You don't. Nobody does. As, I mean, especially this girl. She's she's done a lot of things out there in the public eye that a lot of people would deem inappropriate, I think. Um, so that's kind of why I saw Red and I was like, oh my God. And after that, I kind of sent her an email and I was like, I'm really sorry. I have been following you for years. You've made me laugh. I've cried with you. I've, you know, I've... I didn't mean to make you feel bad. I just think, maybe think about what you're saying. And she never got back to me. So I was like, okay. So I just kind of deleted all the tweets and got on with my life. But it was a real lesson for me of, I have things said about me every day. Oh God, the things I've seen about me and the things that people say about, just the tiniest things, like the tiniest or the biggest things. And they have no idea what your insecurities are. So they can say whatever they want and I can take it in whatever way I want. And I think that compartmentalizing is one thing, just trying to put it to one side and just think, you know what? You don't know me, put it away. But also I, I did have my moment where I bit back and it wasn't even about me. And it made me feel awful because I then made, in turn made this girl feel really bad. And no matter what I thought about what she'd said, I made her feel bad and I felt awful about it. So I had to do the groveling and I had to delete the tweets and feel bad about it for months. You and didn't I still do anything do. wrong. No, I, I didn't, but by going back to her in my opinion I did the wrong thing I, I don't want to do that I don't attack people on social media and very occasionally like someone wrote a scathing review about the show which I thought was bollocks sorry for swearing it's fine um, but yeah I thought it was complete bollocks it was unfounded it was badly written and it was the only thing of its kind and it wasn't actually mentioning me in a bad way, but I felt so protective over the show that I kind of wanted to say something. And I saw that people from the show had written, you know, their comments and um, replied to it. And then he'd been replying to them and his grammar was really bad. So I just went through a few of the tweets and corrected a bit of his grammar. So that was my contribution to the thing. But that, that. even that, I kind of felt really bad about doing it because I don't like to do it. I don't like to talk smack about people. I hate to make people feel bad. And... I'm in theatre. Like, we do a joyous, joyous thing. Just, like, let it be. Do you know what I mean? It's, um, I think, yeah, especially on this this project, I've learned to just kind of see it, let it go, and move on with my day, which I hope that the people are able to do. And 
Compartmentalize, yeah. guys. Compartmentalize. It's just about trying to stay rational, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, of course. Everyone's going to have their opinion and we don't know them and they don't know us. They could have had a really terrible day and them sending that tweet, you know, might give them a second of joy if they're, you know, really bad people. So, you know, let them be. They're not our people. <laughs> there we go. And, that, and that's that's kind of what social media is, isn't it? Everyone's going to have their say. And if we get involved in everyone's words, then it's kind of arrogant. Yeah, I think we so can't win. We need to let it go. Let's end with a happy thing. Yes, let's. Do you know? Do you know what your pie is? <laughs> oh my pie! Um, I know what mine is. Okay, what's yours? Half an hour of great chat pie. Half an hour of great chat pie. Mine is half an hour of great chat pie. Gotta go because I've got a few errands to run before the show pie, and I really enjoyed this pie. Thank you That's for three having me. Pies. Pie. Thank you for coming, pie. <laughs> let's stop. <laughs> Thank you. This could go on forever. <laughs> You can see Lucy in Waitress at the Adelphi Theatre where it's booking until January next year. To make sure you don't miss the next episode of Backstage With, hit subscribe on your podcast app. And keep your eye on our Instagram at Backstage With Podcast to find out which stage door we're going through next. I'm going on holiday next week, so the next episode will be out around the start of October. Until then, thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. Backstage With.